I felt so proud of myself and my decision because it was like, wow, I am who I always said I was. As painful and as hard as it was, I truly did what I told people I would do if I were ever in this situation. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I love today's episode. We have a returned guest on, Gab Bolin. She was here about a year and a half ago talking all about her career change and her relationship. And she's back on today to discuss some major life updates. Yeah, it's so funny because in the recording, I say something like, we don't really often have people coming back returning. And now this is their second week in a row that we've had a returning guest. Yes. Well, she's a good one. I really love Gab. She's so friendly and she just gets real on the Mostly Balanced podcast every time she comes on. Yeah, she does. She doesn't have any trouble opening up. She is. It makes her so relatable because the way she talks about things is she's not like shining it on. She's literally just she shared exactly what's happened in her career, the career changes that she's had over the past year and a half, and also the changes in her relationship. She went through a divorce. That is what we talk about for like the whole second half of the episode. And as someone who's never been married or divorced, I still found it so relatable just because we talk about so many of those themes that are common in any type of breakup where there's not one major thing that's wrong Mm -hmm. or you just both change so much or one of you changes so much and the other one doesn't. There's so many things that people don't talk about so often or that even people brush under the rug and just stay in the relationship because they feel like, oh, I guess this just is what it is. And she instead made the decision to pursue a life that she thought could make her happier. And it was really cool to hear all about that. And just to think about that, the fact that it was only a year and a half ago that we recorded with her last and so much in her life has changed. And of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of it sounded like it was really difficult, but she's in such a good place now. So it was really inspiring. Yes, I totally agree. And I get that too, that even though I am not divorced or like can relate to that story, I think so many people are going to be able to, like you said, because she just says it exactly how it is, like listed and explained how she was feeling and feeling stuck and like walked us through like when she first realized this and how she communicated it to her partner and the first people she told. And I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to make her story about me in any way. But Dan, my fiance, had been married and divorced before. And it was just so funny or interesting to hear her talk because he had felt the same way. Like in his previous relationship, nothing was wrong. So the things she was saying in like the questions she was asking herself and the feelings and like the way she had to communicate to her partner that there's nothing wrong in this relationship. I just don't want to be married. And how do you even navigate those conversations? I had like heard it all before because Dan had been in a very similar situation. So I am sure that even if people listening are not in the exact same situation, you'll just be able to relate so much to Gab. Or if you are, she'll be able to help you feel a little less alone or have a little more support throughout your process. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is such a good episode and I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about it. And I will say, because last week we said we were going to have a solo episode this week, we just recorded this episode with Gab this past week, and we just loved it so much, so we decided to release it. But we will still be doing a solo soon, so get ready for that. And we'll still be talking about imposter syndrome and a few other things that have been coming up a lot. We'll be sprinkling in more of those solo episodes soon. We were just excited to release this one. 
Yes. I can't wait for another solo. I always love them. Me too. But we always like to talk about new things that we're trying and new things that we're loving. And this week, I wanted to talk about... I don't know. I don't even think I told you this yet, but I started watching that show that Morgan was on. Oh, how is it? (laughs) A former guest of ours, Morgan Raphael, who we both love. This is funny. So I went back and listened to our episode with Morgan this past weekend, which I never do. I like never go back and I never listen to our episodes anyway, because we listen to them when we Mm -hmm. edit them. So it's not like I'm just like hanging out listening to myself talk. (laughs) But I had another... (laughs) I had like another guest that I really wanted to go back and listen to from like 2020. And I went back and listened to... I'm not going to, I'll explain who it was like next week when we talk about life updates. But because I listened to this other old episode, I was on my, I was on a long run and my long runs these days are like three hours. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to another episode of Mostly Balanced after this. So then I was like, I think I'll listen to Morgan because I remember that being such a good, such a good relatable episode. So I went back and listened to it. Link in the show notes. It was all about breakups, kind of like it was about manifesting about manifesting your dream life. We talked about a lot of the stuff she's manifested in her career and also the struggle Mm -hmm. that she went through with a breakup and how she's like come out of a much stronger, better version of herself. And so really great episode. But this past week, she announced that she was on this dating reality show on Amazon Prime. And it's seemingly so perfect for her because the whole concept of the show, it's called Cosmic Love. And the whole concept is that there's four main people. So two men and two women, and each one of them is a different element. So one of them is like the earth sign, the fire sign, the water sign and the air sign. Is that what it is? And then each of them has like three potential matches. So Morgan is one of the potential matches. She's not one of like the four people. And so it's all about astrology and finding people a match based on their astrological chart. So I only watched one episode so far. And basically, like, they don't know, like, they kind of like find out over time who's there for them. So everybody's kind of like thrown together and they're like mixing and mingling uh. and not sure, like, if the people they're hitting it off with are actually like their match. And then over time, they get, like go on dates with like mm-hmm. the people who are their matches and everything. I never watch reality dating shows. Like, the last one I watched was Love is Blind over COVID because everyone was watching yeah. it. But I like yeah. the concept who of wasn't? this. I love that Morgan's <laughs> on it. I think the second episode, she has like an actual date. So when I watch that, I'll see like more of her. But so far, I only saw her in like the mingling scenes. She looks amazing. I'm so curious, like when she did this, because it was a five week, like social experiment, as they call it. And I like, I think I remember her taking like a month off or like taking a break. Maybe that's what it was. I don't remember that either. But I am so excited to watch this show. There's nothing better than watching like a dating or a reality show and you know someone on it. I'm speaking as if I like have had that experience (laughs) before. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't wait. I love Morgan and it's such an interesting, different concept for a dating show. So I, I totally forgot that it was on already. So I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, all the episodes are on there. So I'm definitely going to binge more of it. I did find myself like fast forwarding to get to parts of her because like I'm just not a dating show person. But the whole concept is like, is cool. And it's like kind of funny. They definitely do. They definitely play it up in like a cheesy way. Like there's like an astro chamber and you like go in and this <laughs> like big like crystal ball talks to you about your dating life. But I, she's just like perfect for it. She mm-hmm. is like, she just has like such a good energy and like such a strong presence. I don't know. We have to have her back on and find out like how this came to be and hear more about behind the scenes stuff. But so far, definitely recommend just because it's such an interesting concept and it's unlike any other dating show. 
What else have I been loving this week? I'm still obsessed with Game of Thrones, everyone. I like, <laughs> cannot I cannot stop watching Game of Thrones. So that is my number one recommendation <laughs> again. <laughs> but other things that I've been trying, I've been trying Fortuna skin. So I've gotten free samples of Fortuna skin multiple times. I think from both Saqqara when I got like some samples when I did the Emil program, they sent some free products. And then again, when I went to the Melissa Wood health workout event, she had Fortuna skin as one of the vendors. So they were there with all of these like wildflower botanicals and they gave free product. And I just like, you know, when you have free products in your bathroom and they just like sit in your drawer and you never actually use them and they're so tiny. But I decided, you know what, like my skin's been struggling. I've mentioned that on the podcast a couple times now. So I just committed to like a full week of Fortuna skin. And I have three products or four products I've been rotating through and including in my schedule or in my skin routine. And I really love them. So there is a face and eye serum and a daily renewal cream, an eye revitalizing cream, and a nightly renewal cream. And I have found that even after one day of using these products, I would wake up the next morning and my skin would be like baby soft and feel like really hydrated. I'm always told by facialists that my skin's barely dehydrated. So not necessarily dry, just dehydrated. So a lot of these products are really great for dehydrated skin and they are on the pricier side, but it honestly is a company that I, I like really enjoyed reading about and learning more about. One, when I went to the Melissa Wood event, I didn't understand why the Fortuna skin was there with like this wildflower bouquet making. And it is because it's an Italian company based in Sicily on this family's plot of land or farm that has all of these like botanicals and wildflowers. And all of the ingredients are coming from directly from the product and the plants that this family's growing. And it's just a very sustainable company all clean, no toxins, all of these like amazing Italian botanicals. And I've really been liking them. So I might take the plunge and buy some full-size products, but I will. They also have like a sampler kit for I think $95 where you can try a lot of the products I just mentioned, but I really love it. My skin looks really good. It does look really good. I noticed even the other night when you had like only been using it for a couple of days. Seriously. I definitely have a few of those products floating around in my makeup bag. Try it. I feel like literally after one use, I'm like, this feels lovely. My skin feels so nice. I'm laughing because the episode that I went back and listened to of ours, you were talking about Sephora products that you'll get like Sephora samples and how sometimes you just like won't use them. And I'm the same exact way. And I feel like why, why not? You're clearly getting a lot of use out of just these like sample products. Yes. And Skincare is so, so unique to you. And why take the plunge and buy like a giant product if you have no, you've never tried it before. So really take advantage of those samplers and go on for tuna. And there is like a little kit sample set, literally custom sample set you can get. So I recommend it. <laughs> I might try it. And then my other question is about Game of Thrones. Did yes. it take you a little while to get into it? I had watched seasons like one through four already in when it was on. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. I think then at that time, it took me a while to get into, but now I like we're flying through it. I I think we're in like season four or five now. It just seems so overwhelming to me to watch something that has so many seasons. But then once you get into it, you're like happy that there's so many seasons you can watch. 
Yes, except I hear the last two are really bad because they deviated from the books because oh. he didn't finish the books in time. So <laughs> I'm Dan said like it was once his favorite show and then they ruined the ending so badly that he won't even say it's one of his like he he's really upset. They kind of did that with Mad Men too. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I've always loved Mad Men. The ending? Oh my god, remember the last episode? Yeah, but I liked it. You did? <laughs> Yes. The last episode was like weird and like futuristic. Wasn't it like, wasn't there like this weird, like, didn't he like, wasn't it like all like a dream or like there was like something like so weird in the last episode? He went to like a, like a retreat because he was having such a hard time that he like went to this like very like earthy, crunchy retreat. But then the last, the scene was like a Coca-Cola ad. I think it meant like he was coming back into advertising or he like took the job at whatever it was, McCann, and he created like have a Coke and a smile campaign. Wait, now I need to watch it again. Now I'm yes. like getting really excited to go back and rewatch Mad Men because I love you that show. Too. <laughs> Maybe I'll start that tonight. Oh, that's my favorite show. But yeah, you guys are going to love this episode and we are going to be heading out for Mia's bachelorette party this weekend. So Yay! we'll be coming at you next week. We'll be recording our solo and we'll have all the updates on Mia's wedding planning process too. Yes, I cannot wait for my bachelorette. I am assembling all our little gift bags for everyone and we're just going to have a fun weekend in Amagansett just with beach and pool and fun dinners and it's going to be a blast. So fun. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple and share it with a friend who you think would like it too. Yes, please do that. We love having new listeners and we hope you like this episode. We know you will and we'll see you next week. Welcome back. We're so happy to be joined today by a previous guest on Mostly Balanced. She is a fitness instructor, personal trainer, author, speaker, and advocate. And she uses her love of health and fitness to foster self-love and confidence in others. So welcome back to Mostly Balanced, Gabrielle Bolin. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I'm so happy to be on with you. This is so much fun. We don't often have guests returning. We've only done it a few times. So I'm really excited for this because I think this episode is going to be like completely different from what we talked about last time. But just for anybody who is listening who might not have heard that episode yet, can you tell everybody just like a little bit more about yourself? So where you're from, where you live and a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Gabrielle Bolin. I am originally from Long Island, New York. Uh, right now I live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I am a personal trainer. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I am a health coach. I'm an athlete, uh, marathon runner. And I am kind of going through a really transitional period of my life that I think a lot of people go through. I don't know how old you two are, but I just turned 30. I think we're probably similar in age. Yeah, I'm 31. Yeah. And I'm 33. So we're all 30, early thirties. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that period of time, no matter how firmly you believe, you know, who you are, once you start to get to that age and you start looking around like, Oh my God, like life is like, it's not like, Oh, when I get older or when I grow up, it's like, Oh, that's now like life is now. Totally. <laughs> and I kind of started to go through that. And I was like, Whoa, like I need to, I need to make a decision about what I'm doing and, and who I'm going to be. 
immediately. And so all of those things that I am and, and continue to be kind of started to shift since the last time that we spoke in a way that I'm really happy with and proud of that that kind of made a lot of messes in my life, you know, in, in terms of like figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, we were just chatting a little earlier about like, even the first time you came on, you were so like raw and open and talking about all of the changes that even your first career change that led you to fitness. And now I know that you've had, we figured out it was like a year and a half ago and we chatted with you so much more has changed. And I like to talk about that because I feel like people are so scared of change, especially like making active decisions to make a big change in their lives. And like you just said, like the time is now to be doing what you want to be doing and baking a life that makes you happy. So I love that you're here to talk about some of those big changes that have happened. So what's like the latest in the career front? So a lot has changed there. You've had some new opportunities. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So right around the height of the pandemic, of course, when everybody was like quitting their jobs and freaking out, I had been a cycling instructor and kind of in the group fitness space for a long time. And as things were sort of moving toward a more like digital world and studios were not positive, they were going to be reopening. And there was a lot of chaos and panic about getting into the digital space. I made a decision to leave the company that I had been working for and move to a digital platform. It was a kind of established digital platform where they focus mostly on treadmill running, which at the time as like an accomplished marathoner, I felt really excited about. I left the company I worked for. I went to this digital platform and very quickly started to realize it wasn't for me. Digital was kind of different for me as much as I love and have on-camera experience. I was an actor in a previous life for those who didn't see the episode last time it just, it didn't feel right. And the company wasn't a good fit. And I was just kind of feeling a little bit lost. And that's when I discovered the place that I currently work, which is called The Fort. Uh, It's a strength and conditioning facility in Flatiron in Manhattan. It was very like raw strength training, which I had dabbled in, but never really done before. So as I was kind of like, I don't know about this digital stuff, this treadmill stuff is like not really for me. I kind of fell in love with this other place where people were using barbells and like the training was really raw and and tough. And it kind of made you feel very raw and very tough. And um, I started getting really strong. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do group fitness anymore. I don't want to do like treadmills and making playlists. I just want to help people, especially women, right? Get really strong and feel really confident. And so I kind of did this crazy 180 where I had been in group fitness and having a platform to kind of inspire people and make playlists and say these things in my classes that were, you know, very like emotionally driven to like just teaching people how to deadlift. And it took a lot of pressure off of me in terms of like inspiring people and always feeling like I needed to deliver like a life-changing class, no matter what time of day it was or where I was or who I was teaching to and kind of just helped me be a little bit more of like a real person where I was just in a room with four people and we were strength training. So the training affected me personally, but it also like the job affected how I relate to people and kind of how I see myself and my role in in the fitness space. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting because you're so right. I feel like the kind of thing that you were doing before it was, there's so many elements that go into it where you have to like be showing up on social media. And like you said, sharing these playlists and giving people this like entire emotional experience. But then it seems like you figured out now in your current role, a way to impact people's lives without having to put in like all that extra, not that it's necessarily fluff, like it's helpful, but like to just be able to like directly help people get stronger is just as powerful. And probably it seems like aligns a lot better with what you want to be doing. 
For sure. And also like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we've all been to like a cycling class and, and most group fitness is this way. People love their instructors. I mean, I've had people, I swear to God, this is the truth, get tattoos of things that I said in my class. <laughs> That's amazing. People DM you and they're like, you've changed my life. I, you know, your class gave me the courage to do this and that. And it's so rewarding and it's so nice, but it's also like, uh, it's a lot of pressure because then you go and teach a class and you're like, all right, I have to, I have to change somebody's life today. And sometimes you're like, I, I don't have it, you yeah. know, or, or I don't have anything to say. I don't know. And so it's, it's a lot of pressure. And it was sort of like this weird, like rock star thing where I was like, Oh man, like people love me and people love what I have to say. But at the same time, there was this imposter syndrome of like, but what about those days that I don't have anything life-changing to deliver? And so this shift in career allowed me to remove that pressure from myself, but also like to kind of focus on building my own self-confidence and my own strength and capacity for dealing with difficult things. Because I think when you're always on a pedestal telling people what to do, you're sort of wearing this this disguise of like, well, I always know what I'm doing and I always have courage and I'm very brave. And I think I delivered that really well, but I didn't necessarily have it myself when it came down to it. So getting away from that kind of gave me the ability to like actually become all of the things that I claimed to be, you know? Yeah. I was just going to ask that because you're so right. Taking the role of that like group fitness instructor, you are the role model. Like people, they're having bad days turning to you to like make them feel better. And like, what if you're having a bad day? So a lot of it can be like just putting on an act and that I'm sure is so helpful too. like showing up positively will ultimately like hopefully make you positive. I know that's a, a message and a mentality that I like to stand behind, but some days it could be exhausting and feel a little like imposter syndrome, like you said. So I wanted to ask like how that change now has either like made you feel more confident or makes you realize you're having more of those days where you're feeling like more aligned with your real feelings and able to kind of express yourself in the way that feels more natural, which you kind of just answered, but how do you practice that in your everyday now? I think the best part about the change in career is that every time I go through something personally, I don't think to myself, how am I going to use this in my class? I mm. don't stand in line at Starbucks and think, okay, what can I, what can I use from this experience to teach somebody a lesson or to get up on a platform and say, we should be X, Y, Z. Like I, it just removes the pressure of this. Like I have to, uh, deliver something all the time. And it actually lets me just experience life like a regular person. And that's not to say that I wasn't always a regular person, but there was always this air of like, I teach four classes today. What am I going to say? You know? And now it's like, like I, I listen to music and I don't think, okay, how could I ride a bike to this? I just think like, oh, I like this song. And it feels like I'm allowed to just have a regular human experience. And then when I talk to people, I don't feel the pressure of like, I have to change this person's life and I have to do it now. It's like, I can just have an exchange with someone and, and help them in a way that is just a little bit more typical. And it's so nice. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like so much more natural, like just something that you can just do and not feel like there's all this added pressure to it. Yeah. I also wanted to ask earlier when we were talking about how this was just like a year of a lot of change for you or a year and a half since we last spoke. 
And you said you're 30. So do you think that's like aligned with like your Saturn return? Like, do you get into any of the astrological stuff or no? It is so funny that you say that because I heard that phrase for the first time today. Oh my Somebody God. was like, oh, you're, oh my God. you're going through your Saturn return. And I yeah. was like, what, is that? what does that mean? And they told me and I was like, oh shit. Yes, that's it. that must be what's happening. Yeah, you totally are. Yeah. And you're like yeah. leaning into it. And like, obviously yeah. we're not going to make this an astrology focused episode, but <laughs> I think that is like one of the best things you can do when you're going through all that like change is just lean into the things that feel right to you. And so that sounds like it's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny. I think when you first start making those changes, it's so natural to be like, well, what's everybody going to think? Because every change that I've made, that was the first thing that that scared me about all of it. It was like, well, if I leave this company, if I leave cycle bar, what's everybody going to think? If I leave this treadmill digital class platform, what are people going to think? And it's like, A, people are going to think whether you stay or go, number one. But number two, like, they don't, they're not the ones that have to deal with it, you know? And so leaning into change, like, I, I feel like I've gotten, it's like practice, right? I've gotten so good at just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm out. And if anybody has something to say about it, like, I'm still going to wake up tomorrow way happier, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so true that once you just start, like whether it's saying no more or whether it's saying yes to more things that you want to be doing, it's so much like a muscle that you just have to strengthen. And when you start doing that and like making those changes and making those decisions, it just feels so much more natural. So did that career change then spark you making a lot of other changes in your life or starting to like, oh, I, I know this feeling. This feeling means I don't, I'm not really aligned with this. Like, what can I do to fix it? Did, did that pop up a lot? Yeah. I mean, all of the above, right? Like, first of all, by removing the sort of like group fitness instructor, make a playlist, deliver a life changing, you know, whatever, like talk in every class, it took the pressure off of me to actually experience my life. And it also gave me the permission to start focusing on my own like fitness. And I had been a fitness instructor for so long, but I never had the time to work on my own fitness. So I started physically getting stronger. I started to really deal with my emotions because not everything was about how am I going to use this to help somebody else? It was like, well, how do I feel about this as a person? And all of those things kind of let me really like hold a mirror up to my own face and say like, this is my life right now. I could go this way or I could go this way. And what what's going to make me happier, irrespective of what other people are going to think or say. And it really did start with that career change of like, well, what if what if I just what if I just do what makes me happy instead of what I have been doing or what I think I should do? Definitely. And I mean, as usually is the case with big changes like this, I feel like it comes in waves and all other things in your life start to change too. So what else was changing at that point? How did it all kind of line up with work? I don't think you were living on the Upper East Side last time we talked, if I'm not mistaken. So fill us in on some of like the life changes that you started having around the same time. Yeah. So Right around like when rent in New York City started to get really inexpensive because of COVID, I made the decision to move to New York City with my husband at the time, where we found an apartment that was relatively inexpensive on the Upper West Side that we loved. And uh, it allowed me to kind of, he was work from home full time. So he had nowhere really like no strings attached. And it was closer to the treadmill studio that I was teaching at. So we made that decision to move there. 
And that allowed me to, when the opportunity to be at the fort full-time came up, it allowed me to leave the treadmill studio and be there. So it was like, as soon as I put myself into the place where I wanted to be, the opportunity kind of fell into my lap to make the career change that I really wanted to make. So that happened. And then as I'm spending more time at the fort around people who I'm so inspired by, who are living this life that I am now like thinking, oh my gosh, I could have this life. I could be this person. I could be this strong. I could be this brave. I could do this every day. I can be a regular person and interact with people as a a coach and not necessarily like an instructor. I just started to see like, if I continue down this path going this way, I could be so happy and safety and kind of like my traditional sort of habits and, you know, the things that I always do are kind of leading me this way. But I got to a a place where I was like, as I am no longer using my own life experience as a crutch or a, a platform for a class to teach other people, I'm starting to really evaluate what it is that I feel and I think and I want. And I just started to realize like, holy crap, I'm so unhappy. Like my whole life is just not, it's all for Instagram. It's all for Instagram and I don't like it. And the more that I got away from that, like posting my schedule every week and posting my class themes and posting these motivational quotes, I was like, if it's not for likes and views and because it's part of my job and what people expect of me and this sort of like caricature that I've been playing of myself, I'm not happy. And that was like, That was an oh shit moment in my life that I'll never forget. I was on the phone with my mom and I was just like, I'm miserable. Wow. But so relatable. I think that, like you said, like once you just kind of insert yourself in something new and you're around all these new people and you're making those changes, you're starting to identify like, oh my God, I actually need to do a lot of work in so many other areas. So outside of like ditching the social media and the standards you felt like you were held up to in your career, like what other areas were you not happy in? I know you mentioned your then husband's. We know a big relationship change was coming. Yeah. So I think that, you know, a part of the social media thing was that I was very open about my marriage on Instagram and not in a way like I think a lot of people air their dirty laundry and talk about like, you know, things that are, are like very private. I was kind of the opposite. I was like, everything is great. I'm so happy all the time. My husband is amazing. He's wonderful. And that sort of like, I don't want to say crutch, but that sort of avenue of sharing for me made it very difficult for me to acknowledge that like, I just don't think I'm married to the right person. And there was no sort of like, scandal. There was no fighting. It was just like, I felt myself changing and becoming a better version of me. And the person that I was married to was very much still themselves. And there was nothing wrong with him. He didn't do anything terrible. He didn't make any mistakes. Like I just, I was going this way and he was continuing that way. And I think for a very long time, I was trying to uphold this. Everything is perfect. I'm so happy. I can be this way at work and this way at home and make it all work and everything is fine. And it it eventually just got to a point. And I think, unfortunately, I was in the wrong for bottling it up for a very long time. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to have the conversations. I was making excuses for things. I was withdrawn and kind of just hoping that maybe it would get better on its own. And eventually it just got to a point where it kind of came to a head. And I was like, I'm, I'm not happy. And I think one of the biggest issues that we had when I finally came forward and said that was that he felt very blindsided 
and totally shocked. And I had kind of gone through all the stages of grief already. I had denied it. I was angry. I was, you know, I mourned it. And so by the time I said it, I was kind of just like, all right, so this isn't working. I'm not happy. I think we should, you know, split up. And he was kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe it because I had just been operating like it was the status quo, you know? Yeah, which I feel like is so much easier to do than it might. Obviously not easy, but you get so in the flow of the way the relationship is operating that you just had this sort of like face that you put on with him, but all these things were going on in your head, like you said, that you had kind of worked through without him being in the know at all. But was he the first person that you brought it up to? Or was there anybody that you kind of like confided in or told that you were feeling this way? Like who was the first person that you told that these thoughts were coming up in your head? So I think the first person that I actually said it to was my mom. And it was so hard to say because I knew once I said it, there was not going to be any going back, right? Like once, once your mom knows something or someone that you have a very close relationship like that with, it's sort of like, you can't be like, oh yeah, I changed my mind. Like that's, you know, it's, it's out there now. So I said it to her because the, something had happened and she said to me, listen, he's your husband. And if you love him, you have to, you have to do it. You know, it was, it was going to see his family somewhere. And I just said like, I just don't, I just don't think I have it. I don't think I feel that way. And she was very calm and she was like, okay, well, if you really feel that way, then you're going to, you need to make a change. And I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. It takes so much bravery to even admit those feelings. I feel like oftentimes people who are trying to uphold that, not even like because of their job like you, just because of any like social expectation or the decisions they made or any what you think anyone's going to feel, it's easy to brush those feelings under the rug and keep going, like stay on this train that's going. You're in a relationship, you have all these next steps and expectations. I am curious though, in the beginning, do you feel like you had red flags or you had feelings of like, did you feel I am so in love and this is my person and everything aligned and then you went through changes that caused a lot of this? Or do you think like deep down in the beginning of your relationship, there were red flags you were ignoring? You know, it's so hard to say. And yeah. I think this is really kind of where all of the the reality of what happened kind of stems from. We got engaged when I was 22. Wow. And we got married when I was 24. And so at that time, I did feel deeply in love and this is my person and whatever. And like, I genuinely believed that. And I think I don't even know how much of the division between us and the need to go our separate ways was because of things that happened that made me have to admit it. Or if it was just that I was a very different person at, you know, 22 and 24 than I am at 30. And so it was like, I don't even think there were red flags. I think I, as I got older, I think I, I withdrew a lot. I was, uh, you know, it, it felt very much like being in a relationship with my friend. Like what's the difference between a husband and a best friend? Like those, those sort of more intimate things were not really there. And I think it had nothing to do with anybody's actions and a little bit more to do with the fact that like, you know, you, you make decisions like that when you're very young and then you become a different person. I was actually thinking about that today about like if 
it's possible to be like too good of friends with your partner. Like if you become too good of friends, if then it's kind of like all downhill from there because like they're your friend and not your partner, especially when you get together at such a young age. And that happens so much that people get married young. And obviously, a lot of those marriages work out. But I think probably a lot of the ones that don't are for that very reason. It's not one big thing that happens. It's the fact that between those ages of 22 and you're now 30, you change so much. Yeah, some people so much more than others. So I think a lot of people when they get married young, maybe the two people both kind of stay status quo. But if one of you changes and the other one doesn't really grow and change with them, it's not to any fault of anybody. It's just the fact that you're not on that parallel growth path. It's like one of you's moved all the way over here and the other one has just stayed here. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that because I think in the in the beginning of this interview, I used the word miserable and I regret it <laughs> because I wasn't miserable. I was just not as happy or as excited or as passionate as I knew I could be. And so there was a very real sort of like, well, I could stay this way and I could stay in this relationship and I could just continue to kind of be easygoing and just like whatever. And it was like, I just, I just don't think I want to do that. But it was alarming because it wasn't like he had pushed me down the stairs and I was like, I have to, you know, I have to leave him because he, it was like, oh, he's, he's great. I just, I could probably be happier. And also there was no guarantee I was going to be happier, right? It was just sort of like this gut feeling of like, I don't think this is right. And so I'm going to take a leap of faith and see if there's something better out there. Yeah. I'm so happy you said that because I think that's another reason people stay in a lot of situations that make them not as happy as they think they could be is because there is no guarantee. So it's the fear of not knowing. I think if someone knew, if you left this job, you're going to find a job that makes you so much happier. And if you leave this relationship, you're going to find like a partner with so much passion that you're so excited about. Like, yeah, I'm sure so many people would take that plunge. So it's so hard to kind of grapple with that choice on your own. Also the point about if you're not miserable, yeah. like if you're right. not fully miserable, then like you don't have that push to just get out. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes yeah. you need that like extra, it's so much easier when there is a reason to end something. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's also a lot of reason, I think, to stay in terms of social sort of like anxiety and, and you know, what other people are going to think. I mean, that's what I think I struggled with the most. It was like, I had just spent all these years on social media talking about how amazing my relationship was and how happy I was. And, you know, a lot of people felt very much like they knew all of the details of my private life. And obviously, they only knew what I shared, which wasn't necessarily the whole picture. But I kind of knew that like there was going to be a lot of speculation and a lot of people kind of talking about it. And a lot of people that knew me from my old job also knew him. So there was going to be a lot of like people sort of demanding answers about this because they were going to be very blindsided by it. And the, the thought of having to deal with all of that was really kind of one of the things that was the hardest to, to stomach because socially like that's, it's hard. People really feel like they owe you or rather you owe them an explanation. And it was so interesting. Like people immediately started talking Mm. about it and I knew it. And people were asking my friends what happened and people were DMing me like, Hey girl, what's new? And it was like, it was so gross. Mm. And I started to notice that if I did post a story on Instagram, it would have like 49 shares. And I was like, who is like, people are just the, I mean, I had 
I had one girl DM me thinking she was sending my story to somebody else saying, OMFG. And I was oh like, my God, you sent that to the wrong person. You know, like it was, it was so yucky and so gross. But the thing that really struck out to me the most, like the thing that really captivated me was this thought of like, people were probably doing this even before. Yeah. Like people are always going to talk about you and they think that what you're doing is awesome or terrible or they could do it better or whatever. Always. And it was just the first time that I really kind of was worried about it and thinking about it. And I was like, wow, this, this would happen anyway. So what am I, what am I so upset about? You know? Yeah. That's such a good mindset to have. Even when you came on the podcast last, we talked about your relationship. I don't think it was like a major focus of it, but that popped into my head because we did talk about at the time, your husband and everything that you had been through together when you had struggled with an eating disorder. Was that one of the things that made it difficult to end things with him because you had been through such big things like that together? Yes and no. I mean, I think if I'm being honest, I think the biggest thing that we went through that made it really hard to separate from was like getting married, getting married, you know, <laughs> like having this, you know, we'd been married for, I think, five years or going on five, one of the two. And uh, math is not my strong suit. You know, part part of me was like, all these people bought us these gifts. They're going to be so mad. And it was like, you know how many people go to weddings and buy people gifts and then the, it doesn't work. Right. It was like, it, you know, but that was kind of like a big thing. Like, you know, oh my God, my grandparents bought us these really expensive dishes and then I'm going to have to tell them that we're not married, you know? And it was like, <laughs> this is so silly, but we had definitely been through a lot together. We'd been through a lot together just simply by virtue of the fact that we had been together for nine years. Like that's somebody yeah. you grow up with. But if you think about it, you know, the people who were in my bridal party, I had a lot of people that were my friends from college who I don't even talk to anymore. Mm -hmm. I had so many guests at my wedding on my side, not even on his side, that like, I haven't spoken to probably since then. You just, as you grow up, the relationships you have with people change, the people you surround yourself with change. And it mm. was just like, it was just, I, I was just moving in a different direction. And I think what made it hard was just admitting that because there's no such thing as like an amicable separation because somebody always has their feelings hurt. And at one point he even was able to say to me, you're right, like we're not right for each other. And it still didn't make it necessarily any easier, you know? Yeah. yeah. What actually like, happened when you did take the plunge and tell him that you wanted to separate? What played out after that? It's funny because I think when things are really traumatic, your brain kind of blocks it out. So a lot of it is is a blur to me. But I know we had a lot of really difficult conversations and a lot of like being honest. And, and in fairness, there were a lot of things that I wasn't completely honest about. In, in an attempt to spare his feelings and kind of like have the least amount of collateral damage possible. I wanted to just be like, I'm not happy. This is why I, I don't think we're right for each other. And unfortunately, nobody's going to end their marriage over something that vague, right? He wanted to know what happened and when it happened and why it happened. And there was a lot of pushback and a lot of tell me more, tell me more. And I kind of had to say some things that were hurtful. And there were definitely times when he would ask me a question and I wouldn't tell him the truth. And then I'd get caught in the lie. And, and it was genuinely because I didn't want to hurt him. It wasn't like there was a big scandal. You know, there, there are a lot of rumors floating around. Not that, you know, I'm anyone to have 
rumors about, but in our, in our circle of friends that something terrible happened or someone did something horrible to someone. And it was like, no, it's just really, really hard to tell this person that you're married to that you think maybe you could be happier with someone else. And in an attempt to not do that, I was very much like, I just don't think that we are, you know, this or I think our hobbies are too different. And it was like, those were contributing factors. But the bottom line was something that was really hard to say. And I think the the constant tell me, well, I don't want to. Well, what happened? Well, it was nothing. And like that sort of back and forth in an attempt to spare his feelings made it really messy. And most of that is on me because it was I was really trying to be careful. And there really is no being careful. Like honesty is the best policy. And I think that being forward is something that's really important in a relationship. And that's something that I'll take with me into, you know, all my future relationships for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's so common. I think when there's nothing wrong or no big thing that happened, it's very hard to like lay out on the table with someone who you've been married to for five years. Like, I just don't have feelings for you in that way. Like that's some of the hardest conversations that you're going to have with someone who you've shared and expected to share a life with. And I totally understand on their side, like I want to know more because like it's hard to accept that. But again, it takes a lot for you to know what is going to make you happy and then actually go through with having these hard conversations and making the decision to get divorced. So so it sounds like you didn't like give any option of like, we'll work on this. It was pretty like cut and dry. I don't, I want a divorce. So how long kind of was that going back and forth? And then after that, have you already like grieved the process and you felt relief or like how is your recovery and your like self-care process after the final decision? I would say it was probably a firm two months where initially it was very much like, why don't you want to work on this? Why can't we fix this? And and then it very quickly became, I'm hurt, but I know you're right. And I think that was the best thing for me to hear was that like, even though he was upset, he knew that I was right, that like our relationship was very much platonic. We were definitely, you know, experiencing different versions of the same life, so to speak, that, you know, it just it, it was we were probably it was going to happen at some point, whether now or down the line. You know, it, it's very tumultuous, right? There are so many ups and downs. There are good days. There are bad days. We were still living together. So there was a lot of like uncomfortable, like are we going to sit and watch TV because we're friends? Or is this like, are you upset? Am I having a really good day? And you're having a really bad day? Like there were there were a lot of sort of uncomfortable moments. And, you know, we did our best to kind of respect one another's privacy and to give each other space and, and kind of feel out the situation. Um, and then eventually, he was able to move out. And I think the hardest thing was the first day that I was just completely alone. Because I had never, ever been completely alone. I mean, we started dating when I was 20. I had roommates prior to that. I was in college. Prior to that, I lived at home like a regular teenager. So the the first day that I was alone in my apartment and none of my friends were available and I kind of just had to like figure out what to do with myself, it was horrendous, which is funny because now I live alone and being alone all day is like a treat. I'm like, Oh, I get a whole day to myself. What am I going to do? But at the time it was like, Oh my God, like, what do I do? 
And, you know, I, I, I think I watched when Harry met Sally, which was a mistake. <laughs> um, and I, I ordered some Thai food and, you know, I, I had a kind of a difficult day, but after that, I think that was the the lowest point. And then it just started to get better and better and better. And every day I kind of woke up and was like, I get to make all of the decisions. I get to make every last decision whether I want to pack up my stuff and move to Thailand or whether I want to have pasta for dinner instead of chicken or whatever, or I can, you know, decide to hang out with my friends or not, or it was all up to me. And that's when I started saying like, all right, this is ground zero. Like this is a new chapter. What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? And the irony I think was that even as it got easier, the thing that stayed really difficult was the feeling that a lot of people had this very negative idea about me. Because anytime you have a breakup, the person who initiates the breakup is kind of always seen as like the bad guy, so to speak. And I hated that. I hated that all of these people who frankly, I didn't even really talk to or care about anymore, that they had all viewed me as this terrible person. And I wanted so badly to get on social media. I mean, at one point I thought to myself, I should post an announcement. Like we are getting a divorce or we are separating. It was like, why? You know, like <laughs> why, why would I do that? I don't need to explain myself. But it, it was so challenging to sort of know that that was happening and ultimately decide like, I don't need to explain myself. I just need to be happy. Mm. This is making me so happy, this mindset that you have and all of these realizations that you've come to and everything you're saying is so true. It's so hard to not think about what everybody else must be saying about you or what everyone is going to say when they find out that something is happening in your life. And it's like, it literally doesn't affect them at all. And so you just have to like, keep reminding yourself the things that you've been saying. No, you don't owe it to anybody to post on social media just to tell them like what happened. And the fact that you were able to not even like get comfortable, like enjoy being by yourself and now live on your own. And you're like so excited about all the things that now you get to decide to do is really empowering for anybody who might be struggling to think about what you said earlier, like, oh, but what if I end it? And then I don't find like something better. Make these decisions for yourself and for the things that you want to do and like how you picture your life to be without thinking about like who else might be in it or what might happen. How long ago was this, by the way? Um, this was very early this year. So like late 2021 into early 2022. Have you started dating at all? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's really funny that you say that because a large part of what I did, what I, one of the decisions that I made a large part of sort of this new chapter was me deciding that I wasn't going to, and not that I don't want to talk about it, but just, you know, for your understanding, I was like, I'm not going to share my personal stuff anymore, because it made it so mm. difficult when I wanted to change my life, because I felt so much like, what were people going to say? What were people going to think? And so yeah. I kind of decided like, I was going to keep it private. And not not that anything is a secret by any stretch, but that I didn't want to have to share all of my sort of behind the scenes stuff with everyone. And I think that did two things. Number one, it helped my mental health so much because I didn't feel like I needed to explain myself because for a long period of time, I sort of had this question of, okay, so when am I allowed to be happy again? Like, when am I allowed to 
be out at a restaurant? When am I allowed to be posting a photo with somebody else? When am I, when am I allowed to just not be in bed crying? Like, when is that socially acceptable? And I think a lot of people felt very much like, you know, I had to serve my time and I didn't know when it was okay, when it wasn't okay. And I was just like, you know what? I don't need to share this with anybody. Um, so I think that's the first thing that it did was kind of help my, my mental health. But second, I think it made a lot of people really uncomfortable (laughs) because they were like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, where's, you know, she must be with someone else or she must be doing something or this person is in her stories all the time. That must be. And it was like, I, I did this to myself. I shared everything with everyone and I over explained myself and I gave away so much of my personal life. And so by deciding to keep it more of a secret and a little bit, you know, playing my, my cards a little closer to the chest. I think it made a lot of people feel like I was hiding something or like something Mm. terrible happened, or, you know, I must've had an affair or something like that. It was like, no, I just, I, you don't get to access this part of me anymore because when something didn't go the way that you felt it, it needed to, or it should have, you demanded answers of me and put all this pressure on me. And like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I love that you set that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a boundary. Mm-hmm. That's so important. And even when you're like, am I allowed to be happy? Like, when am I allowed to go to a restaurant? Like, I think the message there is just do what you want to do. Like, no one, no one else's opinion matters. And I know maybe for like the sake of respecting your ex, but like maybe that's the only person who it matters to. But do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. And it's your business only. Yeah. And the irony is, I don't really know that he was uh, that all that upset about it, you know, like not to say that he wasn't upset, but I, I think he he mm-hmm. was a little bit more understanding or had come to terms with the fact that the relationship was over and that there were, you know, there was a whole nother sort of aspect of my life that I wanted to pursue with people that I had enjoyed spending my time with. And it was really all of these people that didn't even really know me or knew me or thought they knew me from my cycling classes and stuff that really had something to say. And the the crazy part that I kept replaying in my head was every time I got up on that bike and gave a, a speech to my class that apparently was changing people's lives, right? I was saying things like, if you're not happy, pack up your stuff and leave. If you are feeling like you are not getting the most out of your life, make a change. And, and people were coming to me and saying, Oh my God, you inspired me to quit my job. You inspired me to leave this relationship. And then when I did exactly what I told people I was going to do, they were unhappy with it. And they were, they were shocked and they wanted an explanation and they were talking about it. And it was like, I felt so proud of myself and my decision because it was like, wow, I am who I always said I was as painful and as hard as it was. I truly did what I told people I would do if I were ever in this situation. And the thought of people not being completely supportive of that because it didn't fit the narrative of my relationship that they got from Instagram was like a little alarming to me. And that's why I've decided like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even give them the ability to have that narrative anymore, you know, and anyone who knows me and has my phone number knows all about you know, kind of this new phase of my life. And if you don't, like, maybe someday I'll want to share about it. Maybe not. And ultimately, you know, our parents never had to go through this, right? They never had to hear like the intimate details of their life or whatever. And, you know, they lived. So maybe I will too. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, we definitely won't put you on the spot for your personal dating life, but I do want to know, I guess, from the angle of advice that you might offer to somebody who got divorced and is now getting back out there dating. Is there anything that you think would be a helpful takeaway for them to keep in mind or any type of, I don't know, any just overarching advice for someone new in the dating world who might've been out of it for like 10 years? Yeah, I think the thing that really helped me was that prior to all of the changes that I made, I started to realize who I was, what I valued, what I cared about and what I wanted in my life. And sometimes I think that when you know, you kind of have it the other way where all of a sudden you find yourself out of a relationship that was very comfortable. And then you start asking, well, who am I? What do I value? What do I care about? Um, I was very fortunate that I realized those things before I was in this situation. And a lot of people don't have that. So I think the best advice is to really know and like learn maybe who you are, what you value, what you want out of life. And when you understand those things, that's when you kind of are able to go and seek a new partner. But when you're just kind of like lost and, and not really sure of yourself, that's, that's when you make mistakes, right? Like that's when you go for maybe the exact opposite of the person that you were in a relationship with. And, you know, two extremes are not always the right answer. Or when you, you know, find somebody that doesn't necessarily match what you want out of life and then eventually find yourself in the same position. So I think it's really about knowing who you are and what you want and getting really comfortable with that before making the leap. Totally. That's the best dating advice for anyone at any time going through the process of trying to meet someone. It's cheesy advice to say like you have to love yourself before you can love someone else or someone can love you, but it's 100% true. Like it's a very common saying because it's the one piece of advice that I think really, really matters when you are evaluating who you want to be spending all of your time with and committing to. So I love that. And I'm so appreciative that you shared that story with us because I think a lot of people don't like to talk about challenges or anything that like kind of exactly what we were saying. Like you don't want to put out this story that changes the view of someone else has of you or what someone thinks that your life should look like. So it's really hard to come out and be really honest and real. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And I hope that there are, you know, if there are people listening who are sort of on the cusp of these changes and afraid of things like what people are going to say or whether or not like it's worth it, I can confidently say that it is. Listen to your gut. And, you know, the longer that you try to push that stuff down, the harder that it becomes to really acknowledge it. So make peace with how you feel and start living the life that you want because it's it's unlike anything else. I love that advice. We always do like to close with some rapid fire type questions. So we can switch gears just for a few minutes. But I just want to echo Mia's sentiment because that was just such a real open conversation. Everything from how you've shifted your career focus to how your relationship changed and how you're just embracing life right now on your own is so inspiring. So I love hearing more about that. But to wrap things up, so we tried to switch up a rapid fire versus what we asked you, even though maybe the answers <laughs> would be different because it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. But I would love to know what is one book, TV show or movie that you've been recommending a lot lately? Ooh, book, TV show. Um, so honestly, I've been watching a lot of interviews on Rich Roll and I can't recommend it enough. Like Rich Roll is on YouTube. It's his podcast. And just the interviews are amazing and so inspiring. That's a good wreck. I had to like just Google him on the side because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know. I'll have to Google it later. 
If someone said that they pulled a gab or, oh, I pulled a gab today, what would that mean? Oh boy. I think it would probably mean showing up to a workout without a snack, like just being really hungry and like, (laughs) all right, I guess I'm going to do this now and starve. Um, because that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) That's another great one. And what are three things that you can't get through your day without aside from like any technology type things? Ooh, I cannot get through. I'm like looking around my apartment. Um, I cannot get through my day without a humongous bottle of water for sure. Um, if I'm not hydrated, I'm not fun to be around snacks, obviously, because I'm very active. Like I just said, I never have them on me, but snacks are very important and something to read on the subway. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. I'm curious, since you went through something that focused so much on self-care and self-love and figuring out who you are, what is your current favorite method of self-care? I think my favorite method of self-care right now, I would have two, I'd say. Number one is journaling. I'm really enjoying like writing down my feelings because I think for a long time, I was kind of afraid to acknowledge them. And now I love like just putting out there how it is that I'm feeling and reading back and just being honest with myself because I, for a long time, I was like trying to manipulate how I felt or, or hide how I felt or change how I felt. And now I'm like, well, if I don't like it, I don't like it. So that's been really therapeutic. And also I learned recently that if you order groceries on DoorDash, they carry them straight to your door. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing like ordering a ton of like jugs of water and almond milk and paying somebody else to bring them up for you. So that not having to go to the grocery store and carry things home is the ultimate self-care, I think. Wait, that's such a good one. Do you live in a walk-up building? I do. Yeah. How many (laughs) flights do they walk up? Oh my God. It's I'm on the sixth floor. Wow. (laughs) I'm like a fitness professional. So every day I'm like, this is fine. It's okay. I like this. But when it comes to like- Yeah, you're in good enough shape, but- I don't Your know about those Instagram. Their workout yeah. of the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is my job, right? I'm supposed to make you get sweaty. So you bring the stuff up and then I've done my job. That is amazing. amazing. I recently like saw someone post on Instagram, like asking, do you have your delivery person like come up or do you meet them on the bottom? And I'm like, you're paying for delivery. Why would you meet them on the bottom? Like they yeah. should be coming mm-hmm. up to your door. Yeah. Self-care. Okay. So aside from that great advice, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, I think the thing that my younger self, and it's so funny, right? Like the last time we spoke, I probably would have said something totally different. But I think the thing that my younger self really needed to know the most was that it was okay to change my mind. Like it's okay to change your mind. I mean, there are so many, and now I feel very much like permission to do that. Like I, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I think I'm going to cut all my hair off, you know, and, and things that are as benign as that. And some things like, I think I want to totally change my career or whatever. It's okay to just decide you don't want to do something anymore and you don't owe anybody an explanation. You just simply don't. So if you wake up and decide that you want to move to Peru and become a farmer, you can just do it. It's okay. That's the best advice, especially for me who was like chronic people pleaser for so long. Like just say what you want to do and do it and it's fine. (laughs) It's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People are going to talk about you anyway. So who cares, right? Like it just doesn't matter. The people, the people that you're worried about. I mean, I, you know, again, like I was so worried about what my family was going to think when they found out that I was getting a divorce and they were all like, Oh, all right. Hope she's okay. (laughs) And some of them weren't even surprised. It's just like, it's so silly, right? Like we get so caught up in, in making sure other people are comfortable. And it's like, 
you just aren't that much of an influence on other people's lives. Like, you know, what you do really only matters to you. So make sure you're doing exactly what you want. I totally agree. This was such a great conversation. So thank you so much. Can you tell everybody listening where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. If you like fitness content and don't care about knowing what someone's personal life is like, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at gab.bolin. Um, I post a lot about fitness stuff and, and training and competitions that I am a part of, um, as well as the fort, which is the, the gym that I am a strength and conditioning coach at. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This was just such a great conversation. I feel like I got goosebumps so many times and also just like a great reminder to like, we still have to like live in our phones all the time, like Mm. give up the act. So I really love that. And just focusing on being yourself and doing what you love. So thank you for this message. I think so many people will benefit. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you. Next time we have to do it in person. Yeah, please. I would love that. (laughs) 